0: Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell.
1: Contact cordellcordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California 94404. Welcome in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily podcast. I am your host TJ McBride. You can find all my work over at milehighsports.com. Um, all of it's over on Twitter as well at TJ McBride NBA, but I have a special guest host today who has actually been like the only guest host on this podcast, I think. Former co-host Former co-host of this podcast, Brendan Vote of Denver Stiffs. Say what up, man? What's up, man? I just, just following you. Yeah, you, you, you literally said it identical. <laughs> we're sitting about 11 inches from each other. I mean, that's given you maybe a little bit. I can yeah. feel your breath on my face. I hope you enjoy this that breath. Awkward. I brushed my teeth not too long ago, but this coffee is delicious. Um, we were going to talk about some sad stuff today. Uh, Paul Millsap broke his big toe on his right foot. Oh, shit, really? God damn it, man. We already got to deal with you doing this crap. Um, But we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Paul Millsap breaking his toe. We're going to talk about Gary Harris being evaluated and being out for three to four weeks, according to ESPN's Adrian Rojanowski. And we're going to talk about the different lineups the Nuggets may have to employ, who could slide into the starting lineup, all sorts of things along those lines. Um, I definitely want to get to what players are going to see a big boost in minutes because there might be some interesting names that pop up there. But before we get into all of that, let me give you a quick word from our sponsors. Okay, so back into this. Let's talk about Paul Millsap first.
0: Quick question. You have sponsors now? Yeah. Damn, that's awesome. I
1: know, isn't that cool? I actually have to like say words about people who actually helped this podcast take up. Oh, that's awesome. Shout out to tariff and Care Station for the extra plug thanks to Brendan Vogue. Was it was it me? Why yeah. didn't we have why didn't we have um sponsors when I was a co-host? Because we had just started and there was no one who wanted to listen to us yet, and then you left, and then people actually started liking the podcast. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like I'm the problem. <laughs> I'm just giving you crap. Um Paul Millsap broken toe last night when Woj reported that he did in fact break his toe. What were your first thoughts? I kind of thought he did when
0: I saw the replay. Yeah. Then we heard Monte said it, um, a little slip there. Yeah. That just, it's, it stinks. Um, I tried to find the bright side right away, at least... So long as there's no ligament damage, right? Let's say this is just, like, a fracture. This isn't the type of injury where you have to worry about him getting right, right? So, like, he may miss time. Yeah. But it's not like, okay, he's got to rehab his... He's got to move his wrist again. Or, like, he's got to get his hip working. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't have to get right physically. He just needs the bone to heal. So, if, if, if he comes back in, let's say, like, a month, TJ... You have to figure he'll be ready to play.
1: Yeah, Dave Defour made a good point on Twitter where he said the problem with these injuries, with the fact that it's a toe injury, is that you can't stay in good condition. Yep, that's that is point. one thing that's going to be something to monitor is how quickly Paul Millsap can get back into game shape after dealing with this injury. Uh, my first thought was please don't be a Jones fracture. That's the one that had Ben had Ben Simmons rookie career get wiped out. Um, that can require surgery. That's yeah, but a three. That's sort of thing. like a,
0: a, like something that happens over time. No, or was it that... no?
1: It, it, it can happen when you break your pinky toe, basically. Okay. And it's the bone right behind that. And thankfully it wasn't that. This seems like it actually could have been much worse considering what the injury actually is. And the the worst case scenario is eight weeks. That is a very, very worst case That's scenario. The, what is
0: that just based off? like That's just based off Google.com
1: injury history for <laughs> NBA players who have had broken toes in the past, big toes. Um, Danilo Gallinari at one point was originally um, rumored to come back back in 2011 when he broke his toe in a week to 10 days. That was the timetable they put on his broken big toe. So that I thought was very interesting. Um, Did he
0: he hit that timeline? No. No, that was
1: what I was going to say next, is that it actually ended up taking him about three weeks to come back from that injury. So usually you're looking closer to two to four weeks, maybe six weeks on bad occasions, eight weeks on the worst. In
0: my (laughs) head right now, and this is not rooted in medical information or any source, anything, I just... To me, it feels like in three to four weeks, we get a wave of people coming back. Fingers crossed. But I I have put Millsap in that group as well.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about this with Gary Harris as well, but it seems like everybody, including Isaiah Thomas and Will Barton um, and Paul Millsap and Gary Harris at this point, all of them could come back right about the same point, which would be at the latest the first week of January and at the earliest right around Christmas time. So in that week, you could see... Will Barton come back? Isaiah come back? Then Gary Harris, and then Paul Millsap, and they could literally get the cavalry back to start the year one after another. And the schedule
0: does, um, I guess, lighten up a little bit right after. There's a lot of rest at is the what new it year. Is. Yeah, rest. And the opponents aren't quite as bad. That, of course, the flip side of that is this immediate stretch that they're
1: looking at is really tough. Yeah, they they might lose a couple <laughs> games here really quickly, and I mean that just is what it is. Um, when you lose three starters and one of the best bench players, arguably that was going to be in the league and Isaiah Thomas, that was going to hurt no matter what the situation was.
0: Yeah, we'll see if it is is that. that yeah, kind he of player still could still,
1: be, but, but it's going to be interesting to see. Um, let's talk about where the Nuggets get hurt the most with Paul Millsap's broken toe, though. Where, where are the Nuggets going to get the biggest step back? I mean, obviously defensively. Yeah. Going to Let's yeah, just start dude.
0: there. I mean, because he is not just on the court the best defender, and we talk about his like near infallible sort of like ability to read and switch and not lose track of his own dude, but it's also the fact that he's an extension of Michael Malone, and he preaches the same principles that Malone does. He's really the only player that echoes those sentiments, and I think it's sort of rubbed off on them, right? And And that is the way in which his veteran presence manifests itself, preaching these daily habits, daily defensive habits, Good habits. And so, you know, he's still around to the team. He's still available in that sense, but he leads by example on the floor and, yeah, without he and Gary, I mean, I think those are the two best defenders on the team.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's really arguable. I mean, Mason plumley has been a very good defender, yeah, but actually, in a much yeah. smaller sample size. I mean, Gary Harris and Paul Millsap have had the bulk minutes against the best opposing players, and they have been the best defenders on this team, in my opinion. So that's going to hurt without a doubt. And I think your leadership point is sound because the emb- the Nuggets defense can be characterized by like toughness, working really, really hard and flying around and then having a quick enough basketball IQ to get to a place one step ahead of time. That is Paul Millsap. That is what makes up Paul Millsap. They have really embodied Paul Millsap's defensive thought processes into their own defensive philosophies, and this scheme was originally built around him anyway. He said in his introductory press conference that when he was talking to Michael Malone that they originally talked about playing more aggressive defensively with him on the team. So not having him, that's why the Nuggets stopped playing. And as aggressively last year, they started dropping their bigs a lot more last year was because Paul Millsap got hurt and they can no longer have that weak side protection that they needed.
0: Right. And it's also all about communication, right? Yeah. When you do that aggressive style and, and Paul is clearly the sort of he's fluent in defensive language. Yes, so you miss him and, and you, you miss a lot in that regard. Also, offensively, TJ, I know the points per game are down, but the efficiency was there. Not exactly jacking up threes, but shooting near 40 percent stretching the floor right I no he's shooting
1: 40 percent from three now yeah, yeah so, he is and that's his uh career high actually it's the highest that he's ever had his three-point percentage at 40 percent. yeah
0: i did not do research
1: for this but yeah. I, I was na- i was close um yeah so
0: he, <laughs> he's stretching the floor and yeah and look there are guys who can do some of the things he can but obviously i mean this is i'm not expl- explaining anything new here when you have injuries you go down the line and guys are asked to step outside of their roles play extended minutes and Okay, maybe Wancho plays power forward, or, or, or Lyles does, but you're taken away from that bench now. And
1: look, the Nuggets are just... Like, they're really thin right now, man. It's going to be tough. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because the Nuggets have the players to make up for Paul Millsap offensively, even though he's been great. Like, his effective field goal percentage is the best of his career this year. And I think another big part of his offensive game has been his offensive rebounding, has been huge for this Nuggets team. He's always been on the offensive glass this season. But they have players who can generally make up what Paul Millsap brings offensively to the table. Trey Lyles is a very similarly offensively capable player. Trey Lyles has been really bad this he's year. He's been very bad this year, and he's been very bad recently but last year he was always better when he had more extended rhythm and minutes and that's something that that's he is true. going to get this that's year. He, now the nuggets need him to play well
0: he's a streaky player and 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 maybe this is maybe he gets hot now but it's I wouldn't look to him in, right now as a source of relief for anything. That three-point shot is missing.
1: It's completely gone for him right now. Who would you start in, in place of uh, of Paul Millsap? Because, I mean, let's just assume Tory Craig <clears throat> continues to start for Gary Harris. Because I do think that's a set-in-stone situation. Because Michael Malone has continually showed that he trusts Craig with that role.
0: Well, if you're starting Craig, then I think you have to start Lyles. Yeah. Because you can't play Mason and Craig together on the floor at the same time. No, you cannot. That's just not enough shooting. And so... Yeah, I I would say that maybe Malone might be inclined to go Plumlee-Jokic again, which, by
1: the way, has been good, Um, you know, and and so... The numbers are funny because they blot out the Sun defensively. Like, they have, like, a 78 defensive rating together, but they cannot score.
0: No. Well, I mean, yeah, and so, look, we all understand what it does to your spacing to have Mason and Nicole Mm -hmm. next to each other, and so if Craig's out there as well, I don't think you can get away with that. No, you can't um but but we'll see because you know what Malone's inclination is going to be now. We don't have our our weapons, well then we got to triple down on defense. Yep. And and maybe he's right. Uh, so so maybe we do go Mason Nicola. I I'm curious to see TJ. Um also largely because this would be an easy decision if Lyles was playing well, but
1: he's not. Yes, yes that's the biggest part of this too. And I think plumly starting with Jokic I mean, Plumlee is the perfect defensive variant for Paul Millsap. For someone to put in to Paul Millsap's role and be like, we're still going to be able to hedge really hard. We're going to have the weak side protection. We have a rim protector. We have a smart, high defensive IQ player behind Nikola Jokic. So in all of those senses, it does make sense. But like you said, the offense just isn't there. So so count, so let's follow that up then. Would he, can you, will he either start Monte? and push Jamal to two or start Malik, and then which would allow him to play Mason. So that's the one I wanted to talk about was starting Malik. I, I think that you can keep your rotation virtual or pretty close to the same if you put Malik Beasley into the starting lineup and you started Jamal Murray, Malik Beasley, Torrey Craig, Wancho, and Jokic. I think you can do that, have one of... Uh, Malik, Wancho, or um, or Tori always on the floor as your wing. You have to have one of them at the floor at all times. And then you play Lyles, Monte, and Plumlee off the bench. That way your bench is pretty much the same at that point. You just lose a wing player and you shorten up your rotation. And you still have three guys who are 6'5 to 6'8" who can be at least somewhat switchable and versatile defenders, who can knock down shots other than Torrey Craig. Malik is shooting over 40% from three this year. Wancho has been the best three-point shooter on the team.
0: Here's a... Question that's like 70% serious is they they called Thomas Walshop, right? They did call Thomas okay Walsh up, So yes. that'll be interesting to see. I mean, they're not going to rely on him for any minutes, but if they, they start Plumlee, they will. That's He'll what be I'm their that's backup what, center. That's what I was going to get at. So we'll see, man. It'll be interesting. I have suddenly talked myself into being excited and intrigued about what happens next.
1: It's so funny. Jonathan Jarks of The Ringer uh, texted me this morning the same thing. He was like, I know this is terrible and it's really sad that this has to happen, but I'm so curious how the young guys play now.
0: Okay, so let's. Optimist spin on this, okay? In the the last sort of two instances of major injuries, we have seen guys step up and either take on a larger role or show that they can actually be a part of the rotation like Malik or watches So if the Nuggets are going to be a great team one day and reach some of those unspoken goals that we don't really put out there like it it there comes a time where we learn where they learn okay do we rely on two three guys or is this really a faceless army because the best teams in the league after the star power typically have been complete all the way through yeah. you look at Houston last year and those early versions of golden state so are the nuggets going to go okay what what if jamal and jokic step up yeah. right and what what if beasley and woucher step up and we walk away from this thinking okay man they're even deeper than i
1: thought that's going to be insane. If that's the case, I'm going to have to just I'm going to have to go back and delete a lot of tweets because it it would be incredible to watch this team keep up this level of defensive play, continue staying like if they stay at 500 or maybe a little bit, you know, right around 500 for the length of time that all these guys are out. I'm going to be blown away because that is just you're losing so much talent. And right and now. They, they, they I mean 500 is like the realistic goal I think that yeah, you can hope for. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that they're going to win like, you know, they're not going to win 6 of their 8 games. And left. to
0: clarify, that was the optimist spin, right? I don't think – I think we're mostly going to go, wow, turns out it's hard to play without three of your e- stars. Exactly, so, exactly. But, they're, but they're, to try to talk yourself into, okay – this is, this actually is a, a point in the season in which maybe we can learn some another new thing about this Nuggets team. And, and if that's that, like, look, they have an, another level of fight and another level of depth, then maybe we come out of this feeling encouraged.
1: Okay, well, let's keep going with that train of thought. Who do you think is the most likely to step up as that player that you didn't expect to take another leap, but does, considering all the injuries the Nuggets have right now? That's a really tough question right now. Maybe Malik. Honestly, that, that Malik and Wancho are the two that I keep falling back on.
0: And I, I do get worried that as you ask Malik to do more and as he feels he should do more, I think we've learned that sometimes that has a sort of detrimental effect on his yeah. play. Oh,
1: one, one quick thought on that, because I think it's really interesting. I wonder if before, Malik just had off and on. I wonder if now he's developed multiple gears to his game right. instead, so now, while well, yes, asking him to do more is going to be a tougher ask for him, but what if he can incrementally turn it up now?
0: What if it's not just on? And 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 I agree, and he showed, okay, look, I can do those things. Yeah. I, I can be good within this tightly confined, confined space, but you see him chomping at the bit to open up, and a little I think
1: bit. that we've seen him show some plays where he can. Like he had the play last night um, where he he had a one dribble step into a mid range pull up jump shot. Like when if you can add that and you have even a little bit of handles and the way that he's been shooting the three point shot and his threat at the rim of being an athlete, that's that is a recipe for somebody who has more skills underneath the radar that hasn't shown it yet.
0: I agree. Now, what I'm wor- what I actually am more worried about with Malik is. I I'm as high on his defensive potential as anyone but he makes some boneheaded decisions he on D still. He, yeah. Some frustrating decisions. Uh you know, he hit that huge 3 in that Charlotte game and then r- right down the floor on the next trip uh the next possession he lost Kemba. Yeah. And and like it was inexplicable. And yeah. so he'll do those things or or he'll go under a screen on a sh- on a shooter and it's like dude. But he has the potential to help this team on both sides of the ball. So he is the guy that I have sort of like, when we say intrigued, I really mean, okay, does Malik step up?
1: I think Wancho should be on this list. I agree. Because Wancho has shown he's got a little bit of vision. He's got a little bit of playmaking ability when he's at least like breaking down a defense. He's been attacking closeouts and not just playing as a shooter right now.
0: Yeah, but I sort of don't love when he puts the ball on the floor. I I
1: get what you're saying. It's not his best trait for sure.
0: And, and so I'm just worrying that, again, like I know he's been starting, but if we extend these minutes, if we open up this role even more, is that asking too much of a guy who's who's very good at some things? Um, I like him. I like him attacking closeouts when he's like already made up his mind that I'm going to lay this in when he starts thinking get when he's done this way. Yet. Yeah. And, and some bad passes and stuff. But yeah, man, I think these are two guys that I think that's what we mean when we say excited and intrigued.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, another,
0: another guy. Sorry.
1: Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I don't
0: care. Mason Plumlee, yeah. who has stepped up for this team all season long, he has sort of, um, in, in almost a Barton-esque way from last year, he's he's just sort of like slid into the cracks and provided exactly what they need. Um, there are more cracks than ever right now, yes. so can he continue to be Michael Malone's favorite option off the bench, um, and 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 just that consummate pro and and a guy that helps them do the little things? So. We'll see. He's a guy I'm watching as well. I'm
1: happy you brought that up because I actually wrote that today in my piece on My All High Sports about Paul Millsap is that Malone has specifically said that he wants to find more minutes for Mason Plumlee. Well, here you go. Here you are. Here's a prime opportunity to Be careful what you ask. Uh, I know, and I'm really interested to see how Michael Malone employs uh, Mason Plumlee for the next month or so because Malone is desperate to keep this defense good. Desperate. So he is going to use Mason Plumlee a lot more than he has. That's just, I think that's the... That is just a factual statement for where we are at right now, right? Agreed. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Uh, Monte Morris, can we talk about Monte? Uh, sure, why not? <clears throat> My thing about Monte is that the Nuggets are going to play Monte Morris with Jamal Murray a lot. I think during this stretch, I think you're going to see Monte Morris be the first player off the bench so that they can keep their wing depth somewhat intact. So, I, and then I think you're going to see Monte Morris play 25 to 32 minutes a night.
0: Right. So he may not start. Right. But yeah. you're right that and that's we talked about that option of just pairing those two. And, and the, if
1: the wings aren't playing well, they might close with them too. And maybe they should.
0: I mean, yeah. Monte has not only been good; he's made everyone else better. Yeah. So this is this is a time in which he can be an asset as well. So yeah, I agree with you. I think I think Monte and Murray play together a well uh, a lot, and maybe that's. <clears throat> We've been waiting for Murray to get going. He typically starts slow. Oh, I think Murray, I like we. This isn't splitting the atom here. I think we can just. The Murray thing is this simple. He's an off-ball guy. Maybe yeah. he can develop into a point guard, but he's best as an off-ball scorer. And he scorer. has
1: been better as a point guard recently. No I doubt, think that no he no. deserves that credit, because no he doubt. has been better, I think. And
0: and in the long term, maybe he develops those skills. I just mean right now, in the moment, the, the, the way to maximize him is to put him with a guy like Monte. Yeah. And so maybe this, this sort of helps get him going in some senses as well.
1: Thinking of Jamal Murray, I feel so bad, because like I've been one of the people hammering him for doing a lot of point guard things wrong. And I think it's justifiably so, because he has been doing those things wrong, but... He came into the season being like, Will Barton is gonna be right next to me as a de facto point guard and the guy who can shoot and space the floor and he can take a better defensive assignment, whatever. I have Gary Harris to help space the floor at an elite level, defend the toughest guard comp- you know, the toughest guard on the opposing team every night, and handle the ball a little bit, and then I'd fit in. And now all of a sudden it's like, here's all of the creation duties. Yeah. Best of luck to you. And he's twenty one. And he's twenty one. Like so. I've had to backtrack off of this a little bit because that's that that's a really tough ask.
0: Well look, I mean I mean,
1: to me, it's just
0: that the take is shouldn't have been he can't be a point guard or he won't be a point guard. It's just that's not what he is yet. Yeah. And he has to develop those skills. Like you said, he's been much better. Where I think he really has to step up during this stretch now of these injuries is defensively. Yeah, He and Jokic 100%. have to be like on the ball, just ready to go in that and engaged on that end because... Without their fail states and Gary and Paul, they're going to be tested. And yeah. I mean, just if you're the other team without Millsap and Gary, dude, just run a pick and roll like a thousand times in a row. Yeah, just Jokic, put Murray and Jokic in a pick and roll.
1: That's what that's what teams are going to do. That's yeah. what the Hawks are going to do. That's the first thing they're going to do. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Nuggets handle this because defensively they no longer have the safety net of Paul Millsap and Gary Harris. And let's just let's talk about Gary Harris real quick. We've talked so much about you know replacements and people who could fill in more, but with Gary Harris, are you are you nervous? Yes. Yeah.
0: There's no diagnosis yet, and it's hip stuff. Yeah. And I, I'm not to be clear. I'm not saying that it is, or I have reason to believe. But yeah, we don't know if they're hiding anything. This could be a basic hip thing. But some of the nastiest hip stuff is can be difficult to diagnose, and it can be missed, and it can take multiple opinions. And the fact that we haven't had and I know the Nuggets can be vague in their their medical updates, but the fact that we haven't had a diagnosis yet that he clearly went to get two opinions. Um, Three to four weeks of rehab is the timeline that Woj yes. put out. Is that right? Skeptical for now.
1: Yeah, but that's but, where I'm but, at.
0: But there's no, you know, fingers crossed that he's back yeah. in a month, but I, I, I'm i worried.
1: Uh, I have a question for you that you're going to hate to answer. Sure. Is Gary Harris' injury opponent as a player?
0: Are we, I, are we there? Because he's had so many, I mean, I don't know,
1: man. Every I, year now, every single year, he's had a lower body injury of some kind.
0: And he works so hard, man. And he, he plays so powerful, powerful too, too.
1: Darrell Arthur had that issue. Michael Malone talked about how, like, Darrell Arthur's knee wouldn't allow him to practice as hard as he practiced. And that and he just continued practicing that way, and that was part of the reason that his knee started to fail him.
0: I guess I would even need to look at, at his, like, injury report, like, in front of me. Because, injury history, I should say, because sometimes these things are like freak accidents, right? Yeah. Like, but, but you're right, I mean, and he spent a lot of time... Spent, and that's why it's going to be important to find out if this team is deep.
1: Yeah, because he also tore his groin. I believe it was his second season in the league. Um, he tore his groin, missed a few weeks with that as well. So this is not the first time he's gone through injuries like this. Like, and he's it, looked
0: banged up all year. Yes, he
1: has. He's looked banged up all I think all you're right, year. though.
0: I think it's because he's just
1: the way he plays. It's yeah, so some, physical. Some players are just like that, man. He's the, yeah. he's a football player. That's what he was for so long. What do you think about is um, is Barton, do you think, three to four weeks away? How do you... It's so hard to tell. They haven't told us anything. He's been, he's been playing a lot more, getting a lot more reps in. We've has seen been him running, to, getting yeah, shots yeah, up. He's like, not practicing. Though, I don't right? know if he's a full-blown participant. I bet you he's just a non-contact participant. Like he hasn't played five-on-five five yet. I'm guessing is what it is. Okay. Uh, but that, again, is a guess. That's speculatory based on what we've seen from them at practice. Um, man, if they need Will Barton back now. Like, they need him back as fast as possible. Same with Isaiah Thomas, who should be getting pretty close here. He's been tweeting about it a lot. Like, there's only so many times you can tweet that you're close. I- I'm really waiting to see Isaiah get back because they need him back just as much as they need Will back right now. The cra- look, man, that's the crazy thing about
0: this Nuggets team. And, and this is why I rejected this notion that the Nuggets had gotten lucky. I think the Nuggets have been one of the least lucky teams in the league this year. That's a really good all, point. all the injury history and stuff and just the way some of their better players have shot the ball to start the season. There's a lot of things that have not gone their way. And 17 and is really surprising, to be honest. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm equally as bummed about this December as I am pumped that maybe in January, like you said, the Calvary returns and... And they're ready to go, but right, it's it's gonna be tough, man. And
1: if that if they do get the cavalry to return like that, they could be very good early enough in the year to where they can go streaking before the playoffs start, and they could be rested and healthy before that big playoff push begins.
0: One one thing I wanted to point out was that Malone has rested Jokic a lot to start the year. I think it's because they're asking so much of him on both ends, but also because I don't think they want him to be gassed in Game eighty two this year, right? And so. Maybe that helps. Maybe, maybe as they need to lean on Jokic, he's a little fresher um, than, than he could have been. It, he's going to need to play like an MVP candidate. Yeah, I think he right is. now to keep them he above five hundred, which I highly doubt they they maintain.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he gets frustrated and doesn't play it with maximum ability, or if he takes it as a reason to be great because the Nuggets need him to be great. Uh, let me let me read you off the next eight games, and you tell me what you think of their win loss is. Or nine games, sorry. Starting tonight in Atlanta, which everyone here in this podcast will probably have already watched the game by then, but oh well. So they play at Atlanta tonight, versus Memphis, versus OKC, uh, versus Toronto, versus Dallas. So that's their four-game uh, homestand. Then they go on the road to the Clippers, on the road to the, to the Spurs, and then back home for the Spurs. And then off to Phoenix for the last game.
0: I mean, like I'd be surprised if they won f- more than four of those games.
1: I think there's four in there. I think at Atlanta, home versus Dallas, one of the San Antonio games, and the Sun get. That's, Suns that's game. what I'm thinking. Yeah, so. I, I think that that's if they go 500, those are the games that they win. Man, beating Memphis is going to be hard, shorthanded. OKC's been really good recently. Toronto is just Toronto.
0: It just it's crazy for them to have gotten those road wins over Portland, OKC, and Toronto. Had they stayed healthy and then they were coming back home, and you go, oh, what if they can circle back around and grab OKC and Toronto again? The momentum would have been. It would have been an avalanche. It would have been.
1: Alas. You know what's crazy? If they go 0-9 on this stretch, they'll be still 500 by the time the new year comes around. So they've collected a lot of wins. Let's take a deep breath here and just hope that the Cavalry can get back quickly. But it's not looking good with how banged up they are, but we'll see where they get. You got anything else to say? No. I was supposed to do Twitter questions, but we went a little long on this podcast, and we got to go to this Denver Stiffs hangout party. So, yeah, we got stuff to do. Yep. All right. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you, Brendan Vote for coming on. Plug yourself real quick, by the way.
0: BeVote422 on Twitter. Uh, check out our stuff at DenverStiffs.com. We have some really cool stuff in the works for next week yet. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but there's going to be something going on from Monday through Friday all week long. We're pumped about it. We think you will be too. So check out Denver Stiffs. Subscribe to our YouTube channel.
1: Um <laughs> I gonna have to like pre-record this and start inserting yeah. it whenever you come on.
0: <laughs> That's it for now. Too much cool stuff. I can't remember.
1: Uh, this is the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Tell your friends about it. Unsubscribe and re-subscribe six times. I really don't care at that point. It does help. Leave a comment. Leave a review. Tell your friends. But for now, that is it. We will talk to you shortly. Have a great day. News from Sprint. The wait is finally over. The new Samsung Galaxy Note 10 with the powerful S Pen has arrived at Sprint, and you can get it for fifty percent off with a Sprint Flex lease. That's right. Get the power of performance and productivity of the Galaxy Note 10 for less than twenty dollars per month. There's never been a better time to switch. To learn more, visit your local Sprint store, sprintcom slash note 10 or call eight hundred Sprint One today. Nineteen seventy nine a month after nineteen eighty month credit applied to two bills with approved credit. Eighteen month lease. A new line of service. If canceled, Lily really your remain balance due. exclusive tax. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Third activation fee. And restrictions apply.